Commissioner Beto. Commissioner Beto? Yes, here. Uh, Commissioner Epler? Here. Commissioner McCarthy? Commissioner McCarthy? Yes, he's here. And Commissioner Moss? Here. And Commissioner Summer? Here. <clears throat> here. Um, we have a quorum. And um, President Alexander Toot, would you like to go ahead? With the acknowledgement? Oh, with the land acknowledgement? Yes. Uh -huh. Yes. Let me. Sorry, I accidentally just closed my mm -hmm. browser and was trying to pull up something. I apologize. I, thought I had everything open and then it kind of it just pressed the wrong little button. So no problem. Um, Okay, um, while we're working on that, I'll just uh, read for the record for members of the public who are calling in. The um, public comment call-in number is 415-655-0001. The access code is 2481-608-6837. And to raise your hand for public comment on a specific agenda item, Press star three when prompted by the meeting moderator. I have it up now. Thank you for your patience. Um, so this is the Ramachushaloni land acknowledgement. The abatement appeals board acknowledges that we are on the unceded ancestral homeland of the Ramachushaloni, who are the original inhabitants of the San Francisco Peninsula. As the indigenous stewards of this land and in accordance with their traditions, the Ramatishaloni have never ceded, lost, nor forgotten their responsibilities as the caretakers of this place, as well as for all peoples who reside in their traditional territory. As guests, we recognize that we benefit from living and working on their traditional homeland. We wish to pay our respects by acknowledging the ancestors, elders, and relatives of the Ramatishaloni community and by affirming their sovereign rights as First Peoples. Thank you. Okay, so our um, our next item is going to be um, item B, approval of minutes, um, discussion and possible action to adopt the minutes for meetings held on October 20th, 2021 and November 17th, 2021. Is, is there any motion to approve the minutes? Motion to approve. Second. So there's a motion and a second. Is there any public comment on the minutes? Um, seeing none, are, are all commissioners in favor? Aye. Aye. Any opposed? Okay, then the minutes are approved. Thank you. Um, our next item is item C, um, revision of abatement appeals board procedural rules discussion item. The board will discuss the current procedural rules governing abatement appeals and possible revisions and updates to those rules. Um, thank you. So uh, can, can somebody remind me if uh, were these posted with the with the proper notifications that we can adopt them today or are we kind of what are, what are action items before us today, um, possible today? Um, 
to today, it would it would it wouldn't be too. Uh, it, but we have to do the ten day notific notification for next time. Yeah. So it would be good if the if commissioners have any input or edits to to do to save that today, and then the next meeting they'll just be ready to be um, to approve to be approved. That's that's correct, uh, Deputy City Attorney Porianda. Yes, it is. Um, uh, President Alexander Tud, I, I can give a quick overview um, along with Vice President Tammy, if you like. Um, that sounds great. So over the past few months, I've been working with Vice President Tam to um, to basically uh, memorialize um, the processes and procedures that the board has been operating under um, for approximately the last 25 years. The board hasn't had formal um, bylaws or rules and procedures. So um, this is the first step to synthesize all those practices, refine some of the practices that may have been ambiguous, um, and get a procedure down. So what you see um, before you, there, there's nothing that's that should be um, should be new to the board. It basically, again, just memorializes the procedures. However, um, I did want to highlight two um, significant um, changes to them. And it's under section 3D and 3E. And so th these changes are that currently um, when an appellant files an appeal, the appellant just fills out the notice of appeal form. And there's just a short two lines where the appellant is able to describe the basis for the appeal. That doesn't provide a lot of information for the board or for DBI in terms of understanding what the basis for appeal is. So the rules now allow the appellant three weeks before the hearing to submit a written statement explaining the basis for the appeal. Um, so that that's one, one uh, new addition to the rules with the hope that this will uh, provide the board more information and also allow the appellant to articulate the reason for the appeal. Um, the, other, the other change that's in there is that um, currently DBI submits it, its, um, its report um, but it, there's never been a firm deadline for that. So the, the rules now set the deadline for DBI to submit the report one week before the hearing. So that way the board could have it with sufficient time to review. Um, a copy of the, the staff report will also be uh, um, given to the appellant. So the appellant can see DBI's, um, you, the, the, the basis for DBI um, wanting to um, sustain or uphold the order of abatement. So those are the two significant changes. Otherwise, um, everything else that, that's in there has been the standard operating procedure. Um, and Vice President Tamp, did you wanna, I wanted to turn it over to you um, in case you wanna to add anything to that. Thank you so much and, and thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I really, well, first of all, I really, really wanna thank you, um, City Attorney Arianda, for, for everything that you've done here. Um, it's phenomenal. And um, having the appellant, given the, the, the opportunity for the appellant, to actually explain their case now and, and and providing us with additional information, I think is key here in efficiency. And sometimes, you know, with with maybe a second uh, or with the statement that they provide, sometimes they may not even have to come to us. And you know, it allows the staff to better understand the situation that they're dealing with. And so, I think you know, having this opportunity and this these these changes uh, will hopefully help the department run more efficiently and also help us, uh, you know, more efficiently. Um, also, I think the 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 wonderful thing here too is that as we evolve, or as these guidelines, if they get adopted, as as it evolves, we have the opportunity to kind of amend these things uh, to to kind of tailor them 
as we move along in the future because there's going to be things that, that are going to come up and having that 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 you know option and the, the the possibility there to amend these as they go and tailor them so that it's the efficiency gets more streamlined and and, and you know the process gets better um is a huge plus here too as well and so um that's pretty much you know i i i'm all for these new guidelines thank you um thank you before we go to questions, um, Deputy City Attorney Porianda, did you want to um, add anything else? No, that's it. Um, at, at this point, I, I, I'm sorry, just circling back to your original question. So at, at this point, it's just an opportunity for the board to propose any further amendments to it, to get public comment on it. If there's no further amendments, then they'll be posted um, in January before the um, January meeting for formal adoption at that time. Great. Um, I'll go through, I'll, I'll say myself to the end. I'll go through and actually, Sonia, can you help me? Because alphabetical order, we have some new folks. So I don't want to mess it up. Would you mind just calling through the commissioners in alphabetical order um, in order to either give comment or ask questions? Okay, sure. I'll just call the names as they're listed on my uh, roll call. <laughs> okay. Thank you. Uh, okay. Uh, Vice President Tim. Uh, I think I kind of gave the, the, um, my 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 two cents earlier, but the other thing I actually wanted to point out too is having the the you know I think it was in section three D two the the department response us getting that kind of earlier on um, also significantly helps us do our job uh, uh, more efficiently as well. So that's a uh, you know that's another big plus there too. Thank you. Thank you, um, Commissioner Bido. Can you hear me, Madam Secretary? Yes. Okay. I see yeah. that. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, no, I've read through it and I don't have any further comments. Thank you to um, the Deputy District Attorney and President, Vice President Tam, for their efforts. Thank you. Commissioner Epler. Thank you. Um, I have a, a few questions and I apologize and bear with me because, you know, this is the first time I, I've reviewed through the document. Um, kind of starting at uh, Article 2, Part A, time and place, it sets the meeting time at 9 a.m. I note that this morning we began at 9.30. Should we have a procedure or a sentence in here that says unless noticed, you know, for the start time to give us an out to be able to have flexibility like we exercise today? Sure, I, I could definitely add a provision like that. Thank you. Um, in part C of the same article, um, I know that there's the line saying that uh, communications uh, regarding any case should go to the secretary. Certainly there'll be from time to time when an appellant uh, accidentally or you know purposefully violates that rule. Should there be an affirmative responsibility for a commissioner to forward to the secretary any communications they receive from an appellant so that they can be spread with the rest of the group? Um, I, I can add a provision to that effect, um, I, but I, I believe, and um, Sonia, maybe you could clarify this, but I'm uh, not sure if the appellants have, uh, have access to the commissioner's email addresses, but I, I guess it would be if for some reason they do reach out and contact. Uh, yeah, typically for um, abatement appeals board procedures, um, appellants 
don't don't have the commissioner's email addresses and they would either reach out to myself or like a code enforcement or housing inspection staff person but if they if they do by for some reason happen to reach out to you directly then if you could give that correspondence to me and then i'll um either check with the deputy city attorney or if it's something that all the commissioners should receive i'll i, I will forward it to everyone no, I mean, I think that, you know, because I mean, that that makes sense. I think it would be nice if our procedures say that we are obligated to do that just so if we ever have to refer to it or we have new members, they'll know that, okay, we have to forward this on to the secretary. <clears throat> Thank you. Absolutely. I, I'll add language. Thank you. Um, on this, you know, certainly anytime there's an appeal or a filing that the idea of the timing is really important. And I'll note that there are certain circumstances where we talk about, um, you know, if it's on a weekend or city holiday, we go to the next business day and there are a couple times where we do not. Does it make sense on the timing to do two things? One, to kind of make a blank, instead of referring to business days at certain times within the code, to just make a blatant provision that says that if anything is, you know, that if a that if a document is due on any day that's a weekend or city holiday, then it's due on the next business day. Um, just so that we're sure that it applies to each of the timing provisions within the code. And then secondly, we don't define business day. We kind of imply what it is. It might be nice to affirmatively say that a business day for these purposes is any day that is not a weekend or a city holiday. As business days get spread all over the map. And if we don't actually define it, then there's you know, and ambiguity in what's actually a business day. Sure, I can add language clarifying that. Thank you. Um, in terms of the written submittals, I, we go to uh, some specificity on the size and the double space, um, you know, five pages double space, but we don't recommend a font size. So, you know, there's like one thing they can still play around with and if they want to, you know, get in more information. Um, should we specify a font size is, you know, 12 point or something like that, just to give that a little bit more, more toothsomeness? Absolutely. Okay. Um, and looking at, uh, what is this? Uh, Article three, section D3, um, we, say that you can deliver 10 copies to the office. Is there a particular person at the office that should be delivered to so that we have more specificity of what actually constitutes delivery to the office? I don't know if it's a receptionist or um, what the appropriate person is for that, but to make it more clear exactly where a hand delivery of the documents needs to go. Mm, that kind of changes at times depending on I guess if it's for code enforcement or housing, but maybe we could say to the, uh, I think both offices are on the fourth floor. Maybe we could say the fourth floor reception or something like that. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I mean, just, I mean, I, I'm thinking from, you know, experience at the Board of Appeals where, you know, you know precisely where it goes and it gets stamped and, you know, it provides a little bit of uh, comfort to the appellant to know that they follow the procedure correctly. Um, and yeah, thankfully, I think that is it from my side. Great, thank you. Thanks, um, Commissioner McCarthy. No, I'm good now. Thank you for all your work. 
Commissioner Moss? No comment at this uh, time. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. And Commissioner Summer? I, I have a couple questions. Um, all right. I am on page, well, I guess I'm in the um, information that was attached to supplementary materials for this meeting. Uh, section, sorry, section three, appeals. Okay. Uh, part A talks about um, sort of why someone appeals. And, the, and, and this is what's helpful to me as a member of this board. Um, this, that someone is submitting a, an appeal upon, that, that would be granted upon a showing of substantial error by the Department of Building Inspection. So that, that to me is always the thing that we are looking for, right? I was curious, and, and in the temporary rules that we had looked at earlier this year, <clears throat> the actual form that the people filled out was attached at the back so we could see it. And I know that there was discussion of that potentially being revised or updated. The thing I was curious about is if there was possibility to make it more clear that that is the thing that someone needs to be showing us, or if there are other things that are in our, you know, that we're seeking from someone um, that they would indicate that. But I feel like the, the the cases that we have seen recently have been the descriptions and the arguments and the um, information presented to us has all been regarding sort of what has happened with their project and not at all regarding a showing of a substantial error by the Department of Building Inspection, or I shouldn't say not at all, but you know that hasn't been necessarily the focus and I'm not sure that it's clear that that needs to be the focus to them. And I hate to have people thinking they're appealing one thing coming to us and we say, well, here's the one thing, did you show that? No, I'm sorry, you know, we can't grant that. Um, so I, I just wanted to ask if there had been discussion or, or about that form and sort of clarifying that requirement. So I believe at the top of the appeal form, it cites, so the language that's in that provision is taken directly from the building code section applicable to the Abatement Appeals Board. And that section also appears on the top of the um, notice of appeal form. So um, the any appellant should be on notice that that is the applicable standard. Um, in terms of whether or not they base their argument toward that standard, you know, that's that's where the disconnect that I think you're pointing out it has been. So hopefully now that that is expressly in the, the rules, it'll heighten their awareness that that's what the board is going to be reviewing for. That's the standard that will apply. Um, and you know, another step that the board could potentially take is at the beginning of, of the hearing announcing, you know, that that's the standard or um, when it, when the notice goes out setting the hearing, we could also cite to it. So there, there are other steps we could take to, again, heighten the awareness for appellants. Well, I'm, so um, is that, is the form that they fill out, is that being revised or updated or, or is it, is it, is it already whatever in, circulation? Uh, that'll be the next step. We'll, we'll be looking at ways to revise oh, okay. it. Unfortunately, the form is so old, it's going to take a complete overhaul of it. So yeah, um, step one it. is getting the rules formalized and then we'll kind of attack the form. Got it. Got it. Sounds good. Yeah, I think that's just one of the things to me that would be helpful. Any place we're asking them to put reasoning or put the information referring back to that, um, you know, indicating that that is the thing that we are seeking, 
you know, to, to understand from from the appeal. Um, a couple other items in section, the same section, appeals, but the following page, part F, appellant's failure to appear. Uh, to appear. In this section, it says if the appellant does not appear, the order of abatement shall be immediately effective. Essentially, you know, if, if the appellant does not show up, we are saying the case is closed. Um, I know that we've done continuances, um, and I know that the section above this talks about continuances, which may be granted for a good cause. I'm curious if there needs to be some um, link between those two items that's more clear, or or or, or maybe they are, you know, independently um, adequate. Um, but I was just curious. I read that and said, "Oh, okay. It seems to me like if they don't show up, then there, you know, there's not much we do or could do." When, when really, we, in the past, I believe, have had that option to do the continuance. It has. Do you have any thoughts on that? So that section is take. Um, that section is taken. Sorry. Uh, there's some street cleaning okay. going on. There's going to be some background <laughs> talk right now. But um, that section is taken directly from um, the code section. So that that language is pursuant to to ordinance in terms of what happens if, a, if an appellant fails to appear. Um, I, I believe this, the circumstance where the appellant failed to appear um, recently, um, the board gave some leeway given that we're all virtual right now. And so we weren't sure if there was technical yeah. issues. But in the kind of pre-COVID world, when an appellant didn't show up, that that's why the, that code section is kind of strict with, if you don't show up, order of abatement goes into effect, or remains in effect. Got it, got it, got it. Okay, that makes sense, thank you. Um, yeah, I think those were my main questions here. Oh, I was curious, sorry, one more question. In I realize this also says section three. Perhaps the sections need to be renamed. There's section three is appeals, and then a couple pages later, section three request for hearing. Suggest we number that number four. Um, request for rehearing, currently numbered Roman numeral three. Um, item B, grounds for rehearing. I was wondering um, who, what the process is for granting the rehearing. So it talks about um, the abatement appeals board may grant a rehearing request. As far as I know, when we've done the rehearing, it just it sort of appeared. I mean, it was, it was and I don't know, um, President Alexander Tude, if there's, if it's, if that's your purview. And, and I was just curious who approves those in that um, it says here, the reason one may may uh, request a rehearing is that they have presented additional information that was not known at the time of the original hearing that may have changed the outcome of the original hearing and and sort of you know being clear that that is the thing that grants a rehearing it's not just to rehear something um so i was curious who what the process is for approving a rehearing and if that is that's not what we as the board do right we don't approve the rehearing we, we only hear the rehearing if it has been approved who approves it? So again, that, that, oh, I'm sorry, Wait, go ahead. Oh, no, 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 go, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. 
that's another section that's actually codified so that that provision is taken from the code section. So the board's kind of locked in to, to that language. But the way it works is much like filing the initial appeal where there's a notice of appeal form. There's also um, a notice for rehearing form, which is actually, um, Sonia, correct me if I'm wrong, I think it's on the back of the notice of appeal form. And like the notice of appeal form, it states, it cites to that standard um, and then the appellant fills out the basis for the appeal. Um, and then when that comes before the board, the, the appellant basically has to make that showing of, you know, there, were, there was some evidence that came to light that would have changed the outcome. And then if the board finds, based on that threshold showing that there is a basis to rehear it, then the board at that point votes to allow the rehearing and then it goes forward and the appellant can present whatever additional evidence the appellant believes would have changed the outcome. Gotcha. Okay. Awesome. Um, I think that was it for my questions. Thank you so much. I really appreciate your guys' work on this and um, this is a really helpful document. Okay, great. Okay, then it's uh, back to you, President Alexander. Too. Okay, thank you. Um, so I have a few kind of just uh, things to ping. I thought we had changed this, but um, maybe it, we should just make sure that the election conforms with what we did the, on the big rules and regulations, which is like nomination and notification in January and then the vote is in February, just so we don't have like the same people doing two things differently, two different, you know, that might be kind of confusing. So if we could just conform those. Um, one thing I'm a little bit confused about, and maybe just my reading of it, is when things get submitted to the department versus when they come before the board. And so like if somebody submits something this like seven days before, uh, like, you know, the 21 days and the seven days before, when they submit their reports, um, I'm not expecting a same day turnaround, but um, you know, uh, when can we kind of like, when will we as the board actually get those things? So they're submitted 21 days before, will we see the appellate, will we see the appeal before the department does, or will that allow the department kind of like, what discretion does the department have? Uh, and I I'm also kind of, I heard um, Vice President Tam say that there was a possibility of the department just seeing the appeal and making some changes. So I, I'm a little, um, kind of, uh, I have a lack of understanding of kind of what the 21 submittal day means and the seven day submittal means for us as the board. Um, I know they go to the department, but, but how will that feel? Like, what will our experience with that be? Sure, so um, I think part of the issue here was that uh, the board's procedure historically hasn't tracked what would normally be done either in typical litigation or even with a, an administrative appeal like this in, this, in in the sense that there wasn't like a briefing procedure. And so with this, it, what it implements is that three weeks before the hearing, the appellant has the option of filing what is essentially like a brief. And so once that's filed, um, the procedure can be that it is transmitted to the board um, if the board wants to, to see it or, but but it will absolutely go to the opposing party, which in this case is DBI. So DBI will have access to that immediately upon filing. Um, and then that can inform DBI staff report going forward. So at least there's a more detailed explanation from the appellant about what the basis for the appeal is. Um, but it, it's up to the, it's in the board's discretion whether 
you want the full packet, that being the, the and, and that's the current procedure. You, you don't get the information until you did before the hearing, um, but staff can put together the notice of appeal, the, the um, appellant's statement if filed, and then the staff report in a packet and provide it to you. Um, and that, that could be either done on a rolling basis or packaged right before the hearing. Okay. That's helpful because I was a little bit like, when does this come for the board and when does it come for the department? And so um, I'll look again and see if I think any of that language needs to be cleared up. Um, just even just for Maya as like a, as a user, <laughs> a lay user of like, you know, just to understand. But I think um, that's helpful. Thank you for the explanation. And then we can. So what I'm hearing from you is that we as a, a board can determine what our practice is for when we've received those, but it doesn't necessarily have to be in like our rules and kind of regulations. Okay, um, great. Uh, and then, um, is it the right procedure if somebody connect contacts us, or is there is it matter the procedure to either inform them of the correct procedure, like hey, you need you don't you don't need to contact me, you contact Sonia, or to forward it to Sonia? Is there a difference in those actions? Because if we're going to codify one, you know, it's just, um, I would hate to be dinged because someone informed somebody of what the actual procedure was instead of forwarding it to the secretary, uh, you know, and I know that there's some, con there could be, you know, we're, we're very much encouraged never to forward anything to anybody, any other commissioners, right, for Brown Act reasons. So I just wanted to ask that question since it came up earlier, like, is there, is there a procedural impact um, or is it any kind of impact if you were to tell someone X? not me at Sonia or uh, or to forward it to, to Sonia. So the, the better practice would be because you're sitting as a basically a quasi-judicial body, um, that, that's the concern about ex parte contacts. So if you do receive an email from um, an appellant, the better practice is just to forward it, forward it to Sonia and or whoever's serving as the commission secretary or the, the board secretary, and then that person will get in contact with the appellant. Um, it wouldn't be completely wrong if you just responded and said, this isn't the proper procedure. I'm forwarding it because you're not having any substantive discussion. But again, the better practice is just to all communication should go through the, the board secretary. So that would be the, the preferred method of handling that. Okay, good. And that, that should be what, um, uh, to uh, Commissioner Epler's point. And let's, let's, let's codify that so that we know um, our best practices as well. So thank you for that. Can, can I uh, add a comment, a, a brief yeah. comment, President, not to interrupt you? No, um, please. It's, I know it's a little confusing at times, too, because um, we we work in tandem, but officially, um, currently, uh, Joe Duppy is the secretary to the AAB, but I'm the, I'm a point of, uh, point of the main, like one, one of the main points of contact to provide information. So the he's listed as official secretary, so correspondents can go to either one of us. I just don't want people to be confused. So. <laughs> so. Well, it's funny that you said that because my next item was, hey, Sonia is a secretary and she's not even officially under the director. So um, just that kind of secretary language was confusing to me because it doesn't match our practice. Does that matter? Do we need to kind of codify that or is it okay for Sonia to step in on that role? Um, since she's officially hired by the BIC, and I don't, we're not sitting as the big right now. So I was curious about how that works. 
and if we needed any language around that. I, I think there was some language that I saw, um, uh, Deputy City Attorney Perry, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, it said something about like a, a, a DBI staff person or something, because we all kind of change our hats a little bit. So yeah. well, it's fine for people to primarily contact me since I'm, you know, you I am you, the secretary to the Building Inspection Commission, but it's just unique, you know, that we all kind of just switch roles around. So I, I think, was there some language like that, uh, Zach, that said about staff person, a DBI staff person or something? Right, so technically um, the, the secretary, so Mr. Duffy serves as the secretary, but can can designate a staff person to serve in that role. So uh, as Sonia explained, that that seems to be a, um, there's a division of labor there, but um, but he has the authority to designate any staff person to, to serve as his um, representative who would be the, the point of contact for, um, the, for the board and for the public. Thank you. And my, my final question is in the past, we haven't been doing this lately because I think certainly when I came on, I was just kind of confused about, about what it meant. I, mean, I understand what it meant or what the practice was, but um, I don't see anything here about like kind of the decisions we make. So my understanding of what I'm reading in here is we can uphold, not uphold or continue for up to good cause. I don't see anything about a, putting something in abeyance. So um, is that is is it is my understanding correct? Is that our options for on appeals is to uphold or to not uphold or to continue for good cause? Correct. That that's the section. That's the the authority you have pursuant to the the code. Um, the board is able to um, in upholding hold the order in abeyance for a period of up to sixty days um, as as part of that ruling. Um, but that's not codified. That's been a practice, it's within the board's discretion to do that. Okay, but we do have a 60 day limit on that. Correct. Okay, that's the first time I'm saying that. So that's that's really good to know. Okay, um, that's one of my questions. Thank you so much. This was a ton of work. It is so user friendly. Um, so don't let my like diving right into the deep dive questions take away from the appreciation I have for like, how much work went into this, and I'm just really grateful for you all's work. Um, I just, I, I don't want to interject, I just want to make one additional comment, and the way um, when Vice President Tam and I were working on this, the way I described it is, this is kind of like the Constitution, <laughs> in that the board hasn't really had a formal document, so once we have it, the board can make amendments going forward, so don't feel like if, if everything's not perfect right now, you're locked into it. It can be refined over time. So that's great. And maybe we should just have like an a annual. Maybe that should be like our December meeting. If there's no appeals, like check in. How are we doing? Does anything need to be changed? Is our practice codified? Like maybe that's just like a good thing to institute um, for ourselves as a good practice. So thank you. Uh, oh, sorry. Uh, no, President, I just have one question for Deputy Attorney. You mentioned two things. Uh, one, I think we're all clear on the um, space or the ability to write a narrative. That was one significant change. But what was the second one? I'm sorry, I didn't catch the details of that. Uh, the two changes were for the appellant to submit um, a statement 21 days before the hearing date. And then the second is that 
Um, it sets a deadline for DBI to file the staff report one week before the hearing. All right, thank you. Through, through the chair? Yes. Just just again, really thank you, Zach, and, and the department for collaborating and working on this so that it better serves our clients. Thank you. Thank you, uh, commissioners. Is there any public comment on this item? No, there's not. Okay. Thank you. Then the next item is um, item D, general public comment. Is there any general public comment for items that are not on the abatement appeals board agenda? There are no hands raised. Okay. And then item E, adjournment. Is there a motion to adjourn? So moved. Is there a second? Second. Okay. And all commissioners in favor? Aye. Aye. That we are now adjourned. It is 10, 10 a.m. Um, There'll be about a five minute recess and we're going to try to quickly reconvene as the building inspection commission. Thank you. Thank you. Just stay on this uh, yeah. WebEx here, right? <laughs>